Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I would simply just say to stop for a very single moment right now and be confident in yourself that you are enough to get the support that you need and you deserve it. Because if it was anyone else, you'd tell them the same thing. Welcome to One Question, the podcast that explores the stories, experiences and insights of remarkable individuals from all walks of life. Today, I'm thrilled to sit down with actor, keynote speaker, mental health advocate and co-founder of the mental health organisation Livin, Mr. Sam Webb. You may recognise him from his appearances on Australian Survivor or the popular soap opera Neighbours, but Sam is much more than a TV personality. He's on a mission to end the stigma around mental health through education, fashion and community. Sam is also the host of the inspiring podcast, It Ain't Week to Speak, where he interviews guests from all over the world about ways to live a better life. His co-authored book, Transformation, Turning Tragedy into Triumph, is a testament to his resilience and determination to help others navigate their mental health challenges. As a thought leader and international speaker, Sam delivers his wisdom on mental health through a combination of science and his own lived experiences of mental illness. His motto, A Student of Life, reflects his commitment to continuous learning and personal growth. This is going to be a fascinating chat. Let's dive in. Sam Webb, it is awesome to get you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me on here. Look, I'm very grateful to be here. I mean, you're in, back in Australia in Palm Beach and here I am in LA. How good is this? I know. How good is this? Technology, babe. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing, good, right? isn't it? Yeah, Aren't it we is. lucky? Uh, it's awesome to have you on. And, uh, you know, been watching you on all the um, the shows lately, Survivor, so it's just great to be, uh, you know, sitting here in front of you and I can't wait to see where our conversation goes today. So let's kick in. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I definitely, you know, this goes with everything that I, I stand for and the work that I do it would be mental health just in, in a broader sense. I think it'd be amazing to see that conversation being spoken about more for sure. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, obviously the work you've done and all the, uh, you know, creation of, you know, different companies and things which we'll get into in a bit. But tell us more about why it is that mental health is such an important topic for you to chat more about, Sam. For me, obviously, mental health is something first and foremost rewinding. Like it's from a personal experience. It's something that I'm challenged with on a day-to-day basis, I reckon, with my anxiety and just the way I live my life. And you know, like even earlier this year, things got pretty dark for me. And from the outside looking in, you'd be like, oh, no, nah, you just finished Survivor, you get married in a couple of months, life's great. And, you know, mental health for me is a very personal area for my family and myself. It's something that I've experienced for a number of years. And, and then from the other side of it, I mean, I've lost a lot of friends to suicide. And, you know, more importantly, in 2013, we lost a very good friend, Dwayne. He took his own life and he was a good friend of myself and a few of the other boys and his death changed so many people's lives and that's what led me on to starting 
or co-founding Livin back in 2013. And uh, it was in honor of Dwayne's death and stigma and, and the lack of speaking about mental health was one of the core reasons what drove us to, to creating Livin and, and our mantra, it ain't weak to speak. Yeah, I love that mantra. It's fantastic. And you do, uh, you know, see a lot of merch and stuff that you do in that space, like literally getting it out there for people to, you know, encourage them to um, speak about this stuff more. Is is that what happened with him? Did he, you had no idea that he was in pain and hurting and suffering? And Look, it's a complex one because, you know, Dwayne opened up to me the night that he died, right? And he shared with me his complexities with struggling depression and bipolar for a number of years and I wasn't really as much as someone who struggled with my own problems then and in the years prior and seen it in family and other friends I mean I didn't really know what to say I didn't know what to do I thought I listened really well and Dwayne opened up and shared with me how he was feeling and that he was great and life was better but he did drop a few bombs on me that night like you know he, he tried to take his life before and stuff like that and it it was a very tough, complex situation to be in. And you'd never heard that before? It's the first time he'd shared that sort of stuff yeah, with you? Yeah, that's the first time he's ever shared that, yeah. I knew that he'd struggled with mental health challenges, but no way was I aware of the depths of those mental health struggles, no, ever. It was always surface level, and it was generally always surface level with anyone at my age uh, at that time in my life as, and as well being a dude, you know? And this is about 10 years ago or so, is that Yeah, almost, right? t- almost 10 years ago this September. Yeah. Yeah, time's, time's gone really fast. And yeah, I mean, his death was a wake-up call for so many people and it changed a lot of people's perceptions on mental health. And I guess mine in particular, obviously with my understanding of my own experiences and, you know, had going through my own struggles before, you know, it was like far out. You don't really understand what someone's going through unless you really dig deep and find out on a deeper level. But you don't know even how to get to those deeper levels if you don't ask the right questions. It's, it's a, or, or listen. You know, listening is probably one of the most important takeaways that I that I learnt that night that Dwayne took his life. You know, I thought I listened, Michelle, as best as I could have. But you know, when you reflect on it and you think about that situation in its clearest possible perspective. I don't think that I was listening as good as I possibly could have. You know, I was under the influence of drinking and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I don't think I was as present as I possibly could have been. And we can kick ourselves and beat ourselves up, but I've done that for a number of years, so I'm not going to do that anymore. And But also, you know, Sam, like that's just normal, right? Like you don't, if a mate's confiding in you with stuff and you're just having a chat over a beer, like you never assume the worst, like that just, but it's, as you say, like you're, you're sharing this sort of stuff and, for people to understand that, you know, listening for those cues. So with the work in, with living and, and also I guess what you've learned since, the point you just said then about listening better, what would you advise people now? Like if you sort of have a mate that confides in stuff with you, what would you do different? For someone to confide in you takes a lot, right? Like someone does not, for the most part, just open up with you. So they're already trusting you. So Dwayne trusted me that night, right? He was in a position where he could have been vulnerable and he could have shut shut his mouth or he could have spoken with me. He chose to speak with me. So I feel like if anyone's in that situation now, if someone's in that situation, creating a safe space for someone to be able to speak up and share how they really feel, but just really taking a step back and listening, not really trying to solve their issue at hand. Because to be honest, like, and I say this to my fiance, and I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. Like, 
she helps me a lot with my own struggles, right? But she can't fix me. She can't save me. Like that really is up to me. It's my responsibility. I've done a lot of work. I know that. But like she listens. She she creates a really good environment where I can share without feeling judged and stuff like that. And I think as a friend, if someone's listening right now that might be dealing with someone that's struggling or they're struggling themselves, I think it's important to find people in your life that you trust enough to have those deep conversations with. And if someone's listening right now that's super strong and they're not struggling, dig deep and be vulnerable sometimes in your life. Take that risk and and you'll see the kind of people who open up to you and trust you and the relationships that you build. They'll be on a different level. Yeah, it's so true. And I think, you know, people talk about Are You Okay Day and those kind of days, which is fabulous because, you know, we're asking those kind of questions, but it shouldn't just be one day a year, right? It should be like you genuinely thinking and caring for your friends and family and, you know, ringing them up randomly to see how they are or going into, you know, eyeballing them to uh, really check in with people. and Yeah, it's just so confronting and it's kind of like can get awkward as well at times. Like you don't know really what to say. But I think the best advice would be you're not a mental health professional, for example. If you're not, just listen. Just shut up and listen. Don't try to problem solve. Don't try and be Mr. F- Mr. or Mr. Fix-It. Just let them share and just sit there with them. Listen, listen right by their side and try and understand how they might be feeling in their shoes. Try and look through their paradigm, their eyes, their ears, their mouth, their body. Trying to listen to someone through their body language is important. I think anyone can tell you what they really feel. They could say, I'm fine, but body language might give a different answer, you know? So just being aware of all those kind of cues has kind of helped. But just, yeah, I think just listening, not trying to be an answer to everyone. And just, you know, thanks, Michelle, for telling me exactly how you feel. And I'm really sorry that you you feel that way. And to be honest, I don't really know what it feels like, but it sounds like, you know, you're going through it and... I wouldn't wish that on anyone else, you know? So you've got every reason to feel the way you feel. And I'm just letting you know, if you ever need support or help, I'll be here for you when you're ready. Don't try and push someone like you need to do it right now kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it's great words there, Sam. I'm curious um, because not everyone has people that they can trust or they feel comfortable enough to open up to, I guess, in that regard. What's your view of seeing professional help and seeing counsellors or um, therapists and stuff in this space? I think it's great. I see them. So I can talk from my first-hand experiences. Yeah, I've had to in the last few months. It kind of spiralled. And And sorry, can you step back and talk a bit about, if you're comfortable to, to talk a little about your own journey in this space then? Because you said before, obviously 10 years ago, like you were in a really good space, but since then you've had some some challenges in this area. And um, has that been brought up? on through certain circumstances or is there a history in your family or yeah i think it's a combination of all the above 10 years ago i was actually struggling this time in 2013 in april i was some of my lowest points and it just so happens that the start of this year i was in my lowest points and mental health definitely is hereditary to a certain degree it runs in my family definitely and i can admit that But for me, I mean, I've been dealing with anxiety for the best part of probably half my life, to be honest. But I didn't really know what it was. I thought it was kind of normal until like 2009 is when I first reached out for support when I was going through college back in Australia on the Gold Coast. And everything just became too much. Like it was, everything was overwhelming. It was just so hard. And I was like, this shouldn't feel like this. Like it never used to feel like this. Anyway. With the support of people in my life that I loved and tr- and they trusted me, I trusted them. I got support. 
and reaching out for help. Your question first was, what's it like? I think it's great. You just got to find the right fit. Psychologists are trained in their areas to help you get from point A to point B and they can give you the support that they think is necessary. And it doesn't happen on one call or might not even happen on 10 calls. It's a timing thing. It's like a relationship. Depends on where you are in the mental health spectrum, so to speak. You might be borderline great, not doing great. You might be not so far down the rabbit hole. So you might not need as much work and help to rewire some of those thoughts. It's very complex. But um, these days, like three months ago, right? Well, it's probably been happening since... I think change, to be honest, Michelle, for me. I think because I'm going... I've kind of been sitting here in America chasing and pursuing some really big goals, right? And I put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm kind of borderline perfectionist. So I want things to be a certain way. And that's it's not great to live in rigidity. You've got to kind of have some sort of flexibility. And I recognize that. But since with all these career moves and these opportunities that are coming up, it's kind of like there's so many new beginnings and they've all come at once. And don't get me wrong, I'm so grateful. Like, I've got so many good things happening right now. Like, I'm literally going to Mexico on Monday for two weeks. To get married. Yeah, and this has been a year and a half in the making. Awesome. And it's a huge, a very big moment of our lives. And in amongst all that, I've been, you know, I've got job opportunities being thrown at me. And then I've got these other things I'm working on. I'm actively in my acting classes and craft and looking for new representation. And there's so many good things happening, but it's kind of like they've all come at this one time and it's scary. And for someone who's dealing with anxiety, it's overwhelming and there's too much uncertainty. And that's kind of what it is. So I'm just trying to deal with that right now head on, but it seems like it's getting better. And that's interesting you talk about that. I mean, given that you are an actor and you learn those kind of skills, do you have those tools do they teach you that? Like in those kind of toolbox of how to manage some of that stuff? Or is that again, like through, you know, therapists and stuff that sort of teach you different tools to kind of manage that change or that overwhelm? I think both. I think, I think just being you in life helps seeking some kind of help, whether it's from a family member or a friend or seeing how someone else deals with overwhelm, getting professional support. Class has been a game changer for me. It's really helped me let go and just be me and have fun again and just play. And I think that's something that I've kind of been a bit stiff lately because I've been like, I stopped drinking for a few months and I kind of tried, wanted just to be clear headed leading up to the wedding. And I kind of feel like a lot of my play and fun Sam has kind of been thrown out the window and I'm a bit uptight. So being in class just kind of lets you go and you have fun and you laugh and you smile and you're making change and you're just living in your body, you know, and you, and you accept that. And that's that. kind of your creative outlet as well. We talked a bit off air about me with the pottery and like, same, I'm an A-type, you know, A-types, like we're classic, that perfectionism, you know, we like to do shit well and properly. And I think, you know, for you as well, having that public eye element, you know, when you're in the public space and people kind of know you and all that kind of element, then there's this added pressure, Right for you to act a certain way, be a certain way. And, you know, social media is tough these days, like, you know, being on all the time. How do you deal with that as well? Is that just another complexity or have you got any tools for people to, you know, or tips for people to kind of manage through that? That is a tough one. I, I, social media is one thing. I try and set pretty healthy boundaries around it. Like there was a stage where I had all these expectations, got to post this time, this many times a week, but now I just do when I feel like I want to post. There's no pressure on me to post. I try and stay off my phone a few hours before bed every night. I try and not look at it for the first 30 minutes to an hour when I wake up. Yeah, social media can be overwhelming. But you know what's overwhelming is when you 
Like I feel like a mobile phone can be overwhelming. I don't know how you feel, but when you phone and you've got like 15, 20 messages and you've got your, your LinkedIn's got 30 notifications, you've got 40 messages on Facebook, you've got mates hitting you up on Instagram messages, it just doesn't stop. And it's like, I feel bad because I can't get back to everyone in a timely manner, you know? So for that, I've got to deal better with that right now. So I just I kind of like to turn my notifications off. Oh, yeah, bloody oath. Yeah, I've turned them off years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I used to, when I ran like big companies, I'd teach staff all that as well. And, you know, I'd sit in meetings and someone's emails going ping, ping, or their phone. I'm like, turn that bloody thing off. Like, you know, you're pissing everyone off, not just yourself. You're not that important. You don't no, need to know that. No. <laughs> it's managing that, I think, Sam, though, you know, the way I always describe that is that's everyone else dictating to you their times and their pressures and their own, you know, to-do list. Whereas I took that power back and I was like, I'm setting my own list. I'm setting my own kind of, you know, I've got 10 things I need to do today and none of that's got to do with any of the things that you're pressing me for. Um, So, you know, I started to really look at it that way. That's a really healthy way to look at it because I look at it and and we're in probably two different minds here because this is something that I've probably struggled with most of my life, you know, and from a performance mindset, you know, I've always felt like if someone gives me the time, right, reaches out to me on an email or a text, I feel like there's an urgency or something to get back to people, get back to things. And oftentimes when I do, it's rushing and I'm not saying the right things. I'm saying yes too often and not saying no enough. I'm getting better, definitely getting better at saying no. That's better. Put an autoresponder on. Have you tried that? Uh, no, I haven't. Just I in could, the sense of saying, hey, like I've got a bit going on. I try to get back to you within 48 hours, but just that takes that pressure off. Like rather than you feeling that overwhelm of, you know, and just go, yeah. And the other thing is, it's not me, but um, a few of my friends that are quite, you know, well known, <laughs> they um, have some really good chicks where they have their friends, you know, like it might be just a WhatsApp group or whatever. Because the thing that I find so challenging with different companies and different contacts is someone will contact you on LinkedIn or then, you know, Insta, then an email, then a text. And I'm like, I know I had to get back to my friend, but I don't know where the fuck that message is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tried to stream, you know, anything professional comes through LinkedIn, any, you know, emails, but, you know, stream other things. And um, also having a, a great um, EA, you know, now you can have, you know, these virtual ones that can assist with anything that's not in your core element that they can respond to some of your stuff might help you, Sam. And it's just little things like that, taking control of your own life and determining what your priorities are and not letting anyone else do that for you yeah it's very good advice michelle i like that advice it is important and there is so much help out there in terms of like getting you know eas and all that so yeah you're right it's and it's, yeah, well, it's just busy. been yeah I, I am on. i am very busy right now it's crazy but it's but and, and again it probably just comes down to focusing on the things that you're good at i think this is something that most people struggle with is like trying to overcomplicate things by multitasking but naturally speaking i don't think we're the greatest at multitasking as human beings so what's kind of worked for me lately is just having less on my list and just trying to focus on one thing at a time. That's that. But then ding, something gets me up, ding. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, you know how it is. That's good, huh? So tell me about through a reality show like Survivor that you've been on a couple of times now. And I mean, that stuff is real. You're in the moment and, you know, the producers, I guess, are kind of expecting drama. You know, how did you manage your mental health in those environments because they're quite pressure cooker environments as well what did you do through that sort of period because that would have been really interesting times for you yeah it was but you know what being at an island like survivor being in samoa you got so much to be grateful for like i was 
taking every bit of time to be present there. I didn't have the normal responsibilities of life. I could hear the ocean, you know, I was sitting on a beach. Like, yes, there'd be a lot of waiting around. There's a lot of stuff that you don't see on TV that's waiting around or all that stuff. And I really found it therapeutic. Like everybody asks me this. The only time I'd ever feel heightened in terms of anxious or anything would be at tribal council, really, at the end of the games. And that was it. Everything else was a breeze. Like I really enjoyed, you know, sleeping under a shelter when it was good weather out. I loved sitting back in the hammock. I loved doing challenges. I loved just being present because you don't, I didn't have all these stimulants in my life, you know, whether it was coffee, not that I drink it, I have one every probably three days or mobile phones or pulling my laptop open or there's so many stimulants in life that just drive, it can drive you to an unhealthy place with your levels in your body that I found being out there and removed from all that was just simple as more. It's really interesting and you'd never really think about that because obviously not knowing the back, what happens sort of behind the scenes, but that's a really, there's a lot in that that you just said about the lessons that you can bring to your everyday life now, right? Of Almost like challenging yourself of dictating, you said about the time, you don't look at the, your phone at these particular times. But I know, I don't know if you follow um, Tim Ferriss, you know, he's a pretty awesome, you know, he's a human hacker, like a hacker of life. And he's similar to what we've talked about, you know, same as last week, we get excited about, you know, the bright, shiny new things. And um, he's a really massive advocate about that, of really being quite conscious of, you know, your time on your computer, of playtime versus work time versus like just wasting time, time on social media. He removed all um, social media apps for years. Yeah, he has actually just come back onto Instagram, I think, recently, which is interesting. So I don't know, like I think you just you just gave a bit of a key of an insight into you being super happy and then maybe some of those elements that you need to bring back into your everyday life and switch that up and post, you know, honeymoon and Mexico might be a good time to change that up a bit, Sam. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it all happened so quick too, as well as like getting on Survivor, but like being invited back to play. I was so stoked in the first place, but then like it all happened so fast, played the game and left. And then I was struck straight back into reality. And I think probably subconsciously, I mean, it might have some kind of impact, but no, I loved it. I really had a great time and could have lasted another 50 days out there. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I love Samoa. Samoa is amazing. And literally, like, when you look at what we have here in the Western civilization in, like, Australia, America, like, we're so freaking lucky. Like, those guys, like, they're so happy. They're the most lovely, kind, warm people you'll seriously ever meet. And they're just cruising around the beaches and that. Oh, like, it's insane different lives and they're just so happy yeah that's gorgeous you seem to like you talk about gratitude a lot and the way you describe that so is that something that was conscious for you to be consciously you know have that kind of element of gratitude or do you do things like journaling on stuff or do you have to really work at that or is that something you've naturally always kind of found that works you know and makes you happy that's a great question I think me I've just there was a time there where I used to put in like, I used to write on these little pieces of paper and I did it for a year. And this is when I was in Sydney actually living before America, but it was many years ago. It was like in 2014, 15, I think it was. And I was kind of finding my feet in a new city because I was living on the Gold Coast. Anyway, I wrote pieces of paper every day, three things I was grateful for for one year and put them in a shoebox, put them under my side table. Didn't open them, didn't look at them. 
until the first of the following year and it was really nice to see it was great to see the things that I was super grateful for and I could reflect on them but I've just always been grateful eh? like I walk past like green grass in Mexico or Samoa or even here and I'm like look how beautiful that grass is like look how blue the weather is I've always been one that just like I've always been grateful for like that but sometimes I'm not grateful you know like when I'm I forget to be grateful when I'm like complaining or something but I'm I'm naturally normally grateful yeah yeah it's beautiful but it had the example you just used then as well about in nature you know the green grass and the sky and everything so there's a lot of research about that, about actually being in nature and being grateful about nature and the things around you is one of the best things to bring you into the present moment because you can't, you literally can't think about, you know, future past, whatever, if you are there in the moment enjoying um, nature. So, you know, you obviously naturally, intuitively know that that's what to do. But for those listening, it's one of those things that they do say, you know, if you are feeling overwhelmed or everything's a bit too much is just get out and walk, get your feet, bare feet in the grass just getting that connection back to the earth again, it does definitely ground you and it kind of gets rid of that. If I'm a bit overwhelmed, it helps me immensely or throwing myself in the ocean, you know, it's... Um... And like finding a centre, I think, is is key. And I've kind of gone away from like, look, we can talk and take responsibility for our own shortcomings. I know I always do, but like, yeah, falling away from my centre has definitely shaken me up more and getting back to things like being centred as whether that's meditating or whether that's going for a hike literally feeling like trees and stuff when I'm going for a walk around the, the area. Just little things like that I, I kind of sometimes not take for granted. I just don't do enough. But they're beautiful, yeah. Sam, I just want to draw back to the, you know, it ain't weak to speak and all that um, notion of where that sort of came from. And if you've got, you know, especially with Australian men, I think, I mean, it's terrible to generalise, but a lot of Aussie blokes do feel challenged to talk about their feelings if there's one thing you'd like to leave anyone listening today about that in terms of, you know, encouraging them to talk about this sort of stuff more, what would it be? I would simply just say to stop for a very single moment right now and think about all the good things that have happened to you in your life, you know. And if it isn't the greatest now, like it can definitely get back to those times. I think but stopping to recognise that it has been good before. You have had wins in your life. You are living and... Be confident in yourself that you are enough to get the support that you need and you deserve it, I think is really important. Especially when you're in a place like, whether it's being lost or helpless or hopeless, and these are some of the darkest things you want to feel. But, And I'm talking on an extreme level here, but yeah, just giving yourself permission to put your hand up, I think, and just accept, like cold-hearted acceptance that you need to get some support and you need to get the help. Because if it was anyone else, you'd tell them the same thing. If it was someone you loved or friend, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think the point you said then about you are worthy, I think that's a really lovely thing. Every human is worthy, aren't they? Sam Webb, beautiful. What a gorgeous conversation. Thank you so much and for being really vulnerable and sharing your own experiences in that space as well. It's, yeah, just so lovely to hear your story. That's what it's all about, Michelle. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And um, thanks so much for having me on here. It's been great. Thanks for teaching me some of your tips as well. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see your uh, next journey. You've got lots of things in the pipeline now and uh, you will be watching carefully where you head to. So uh, good luck in the coming, uh, you know, 
months, but also especially in the next two weeks, because by the time this goes to air, you'll be walking down the aisle, boy. I know. I know. Thank you so much. I can't wait. It's going to be... Wishing you all the best. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Big love. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.